Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Jameson Creel. Jameson and his wife Kelly have five kids. Jameson is from a little speck of the country down somewhere in southeast Alabama. I'm sure he's going to be proud and going to talk about that, but he's a Lee University alum and for the last 24 years or so, he has spent his life, he and his wife and their children, in Israel and Jerusalem and Bethlehem and traveled all over the world. They are difference makers. You're going to enjoy this conversation. We'll be right back with Jameson. All right, Jameson, welcome to Surfcast and welcome back to Lee University. The last time you were in the U.S. was 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, September, October 2019. We're going to get into your life in a little bit and we'll talk about some fun stuff. And uh, you guys are um, spent the last 24 years or so in Israel and take us all the way back to, um, I said 72 earlier, but you're not even born no, in 72. I'm not that old yet. But 1992, when you were a Lee University student, do you remember those days? I do. I remember uh, I came in as a freshman, 92. I was in the old Ellis Hall. Yeah. Uh, I was actually in it a year later when it burnt down around my head. There you um, go. Almost died, jumped out of a window over there. So you were part of that uh, group. I absolutely was. Phil Cook, yeah. Rob Alderman. All those guys. Yeah. yeah. All those guys are friends of mine. Wow. Um, yeah. Rob has friends? Yeah, you know. <laughs> some of us. It, it's easier when you're half a world away and it's just online. You know? <laughs> there you go. There you but, go. But um, anyway, yeah, we. I was a part of that crew. You know, Again, jumped out of the window myself and almost died that night. Um, and then I guess I, I, I enjoyed the danger of that enough to live in the Middle East for 20-something years. There you go. So graduated here in 97. Okay. Uh, I think I was the last graduating class whose diploma is, say, Lee College on them. Oh, okay. If I, if I remember correctly. And um, really went to, to Israel because I didn't have any direction in life. I, I was, you know, typical graduate that doesn't know what to do next. Yeah. And uh, I was sort of complaining about that, you know, whining, moaning about it over dinner one night. And my aunt said, well, I know somebody in Jerusalem that needs help, you know, with any volunteer teachers. You want to go do that for a year while you figure it out? And I always had a love of travel, kind of a wanderlust, and I always uh, loved adventure, adrenaline a little bit. So yeah. I guess if you grew up in Alabama, come on, man. I mean, everybody wants to do a little bit of traveling coming out of Alabama. Well, you know, it's, it's funny enough, I actually live more, my, more years of my life in Tennessee than Alabama. I'm from yeah. Alabama. Our relatives are all down there. Uh, Mom and dad are there. But I spent more growing up years in Nashville than anywhere else. Yeah. So I was there from fourth grade to tenth grade, something like that. You know, I was with you and Kelly in Israel, uh, I guess it's been 10 years ago now, 10 or 12 years ago or something like that. And um, so over lunch earlier today, you know, we were sharing family pics and I, she's sporting an Alabama shirt, man. What is that all about? You know, well, is that I, just for the picture? No, no, I, 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 at the end of the day, I'm an Alabama guy. I was born in Alabama. <laughs> Home is, you know, Fairhope, the beaches area, Baldwin County. Um, Gotta love Orange Beach, man. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've been all over. I've been in 30 countries probably, and Orange Beach is right up there with the best of them. Um, but, no, we're, we're Alabama people. I, I actually watch. I don't think I've missed a football game since 2006, maybe. And so I stream them. It'll be 3 or 4, 3 or 4 a.m. starts, you know, in Israel. 
Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm up. I watch every every single game. Wow. You know. Wow. So I it's just something I do because it's fun to stay in contact with family and friends over here. And yeah. I'm up late at night. You know, Facebook getting messaging with people. It's just so it's a way to keep contact with home. Yeah. Is really why I, why I do it. So 1992, you came to Lee. 1997, you graduated. For those who are calculating that, it's a five year plan, right? So yeah, five year I love it here so much. I stayed for five years. <laughs> Why leave when you're having exactly, a good time? You know exactly. So you you're undecided. You don't know what you're going to do with your life, and so your aunt says, "Hey, let's go over to Jerusalem and hang out for a while." And you did that, and you never moved back. That's that's basically it. So to, to get it exactly right, it's a really interesting story. You know, in a way, it's kind of show you how God works. I at the end of my first year, I I actually. Quit. I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm not coming back here. This yeah. is, it's too much. It's too crazy. I mean, I, I had kids in my class. I just to give you an example, of what was going on? They, you know, it, Israel is much less violent now than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. And um, I, I had, I remember one situation in particular. One of the kids in my class came out of his his house one day. He leave, leaving the house to come to school, comes running out of the front door and trips over a body. Wow. On his front porch. Yeah. You know, where this guy had gotten shot overnight and crawled up on his porch looking for help before he died. And he died overnight. And this, you know, I got a 10 year old that comes to school traumatized. So he fell over a body. Mm. You know, and, 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 you know, we were dealing with some just crazy stuff. And, you know, I mean, I'm a 23 year old right at college. And it was, yeah. And I also just wanted normal life. And I wanted a wife and kids and a master's degree and a job. And, and I just thought I couldn't, you know, this, this is not the right path. And, so I came home down to South Alabama. I uh, got a job, got enrolled for a master's degree down there in history, and uh, never felt good about it. So August, so yeah, I came home in June. You know, it's a normal summer schedule. Gets to about August, and I'm still feeling sort of convicted, guilty, whatever. You know, yeah. say that. And uh, one day, I just looked up at the heavens as I was driving my car, and I said, "Lord, if I'm supposed to go back there, they got to call one more time." Yeah. I said that, maybe 10 seconds later, pulled into mom and dad's driveway, look up, mom's on the front porch with the phone in her hand, and she says, I'm glad you're here, it's somebody from Jerusalem for you, and it was one of the people out there saying, please come back, we need a history wow. teacher, and so that sort of sealed the deal, so yeah, so I've been full-time in Israel on the ground ever since, except for we took off two years when our son was born, yeah. so 22 of the last 24 years in full-time residence, wow. doing ministry with uh Primarily Arab Muslim peoples for all twenty four of those years, and uh, yeah. So you met Kelly and yeah in Israel. It's another. She was there doing some volunteerism herself. And yeah. So so my my wife went to Southwest AG University. So kind of similarly, as we have God system out in Texas. Yeah. And uh, I mean we're we're better, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but but you know this is this is this isn't public, is it? It's, it's public. just a private it's conversation, every bit right? Public. It's all over the world. So uh, anyway. So she she went out there and uh, came out very much like I did to do you know do a little missions work and ministry to, to yeah. start life I guess and uh, you know when a real beautiful tall blonde walks into a Bible study in East Jerusalem you know you, you notice and uh, <laughs> so I noticed and, and I thought I probably should do this deal if I can so so you know we got, we got married and uh, we have five kids and. It's funny how you, you, you surrender to what God wants you to do and then things work out. So I, I wanted to come home because I wanted to get a master's degree and get married. And I had all these agendas. 
Well, I've got a master's degree since then. I did it there. It was awesome. I got married to an absolutely wonderful woman who I met there. Not, you know, used to a guy once, and then all the, the ducks really fall in a row. Sure. That's been the absolute story of our life. So. That, that's interesting you would say that because, you know, so often in life we feel like that, man, for me to do what God wants me to do, I've got to sacrifice. I've got to lay it all down. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe in the sacrifice, and I believe in laying it down. But... Um, so, so for those that might be listening to us, you know, they're like, man, I, I, I got these aspirations in five years. I want to have this degree and I want to have that degree. Take us back a little bit, Jamison, if you will, because since I know you personally and I know your story and I know how that, you know, man, you, you really did, as they say in my old age, you know, you really did sell out lock, stock and barrel, man. I mean, everything, when you went back, everything was just, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. How did you find God's strength? First off, when you travel to Israel and you read the Bible, it's an absolute visual reality, dude. Right. It's like I read the Bible here in the U.S., and it may or may not look like it says, right? You go to Israel, you read the Bible. It is identical to what it says. That's right. So, so how does faith get developed? And you take us back oh my to God. some of those so that, That's about four different questions that are all a little bit long. But just regarding Israel and the Bible, we'll do that one, and then we'll do personal, yeah. I guess. One of the things that I got to do, so I, I in my master's degree, um, I studied Middle Eastern cultures and religions, yeah. and, I, and they let me do a, f- a focus within that on uh, biblical historical geography, okay. like a holy land. So I got to do a lot of study on site, you know, with some really amazing profs, and you kind of read the story with a map in your hand while walking around, you know, Caesarea or Capernaum or Jerusalem or whatever. Yeah. And what comes crystal, crystal clear when you do that, is that the Bible is absolutely, utterly true and completely unforgeable. Mm. There's no way it's fake. You know, you hear these conspiracy theories that it was changed or uh, amended or somehow 300 years later uh, somewhere else. And But then you read a story, like let's say the David and Goliath story, and it says that David came from Bethlehem to a certain point and that the Philistines were encamped from Soho to Azekah. And it says that there was a hill and a valley and a stream. And you go stand there, and and you're like, well, here's the ridge that the Israelites were on, and there's over there to my left is the ridge that the the Philistines were on. And we've found uh, ancient Soho and Azekah, and you can go to those places, and we can show you how we identified them. And guess what? There's a stream in the middle. that It runs when it rains. It doesn't run all the time. It's all there. Every single detail is there. It makes sense historically Mm -hmm. because you have Israelite cities, that are behind where the, the the Jewish lines were, and you have Philistine cities that are behind. Every detail makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you can do that over and over and over again for like every story in the Bible. So it's that's really, really cool. You, It's very difficult to read a Bible, walk around Israel, and then say, oh, this thing was faked later. It, mm. it's, it's, I mean, it's tough. So that, yeah, that, that's really cool. I like your term, unforgeable. You know, you cannot, you just can't deny that. There's no, there's no way. How, how could somebody, you know, like, writing in Constantinople 300 years later have gotten the geography right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the little things like Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree. Mm-hmm. What's well, an interesting fact because, you know, it, Israel's an amazing place because you have thousands of feet of, of vertical difference. Mm-hmm. You have Jericho, which is a thousand feet below sea level. Jerusalem's almost 3,000 feet above sea level. The Golan Heights are, you know, Mount Hermon tops out at 10,000 above. The, so you go up and down thousands of feet a lot, and you, and also depending on if you're on one side of the mountains or the other, you have the sort of the rainy side and the dry side, and so within its tiny country, you have huge variation in geography, right? Mm-hmm. 
So, um, sycamore trees only grow in places where it's hot, which means low-lying, but there also has to be a lot of water. Well, usually in Israel, low-lying is desert, so there's not a lot of water, but in Jericho, because there's really powerful springs there, there's lots of groundwater, yeah. it never rains, there's lots of groundwater, there's about three, if you put a, if you look at a map of Israel, you put about three dots on the map, that's the only place that sycamore trees can grow. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Jericho's one of those dots. You know, and it goes on and on and on and on with just like little things that nobody would have known mm-hmm. if, you know, if they hadn't, if, if it wasn't real. So, so no, it's, it's awesome. Like every, every believer, if they could ever, if they could find a way to swing it in their life, you know, yeah. needs to go out there and, and see the Holy Land, mm-hmm. you know, and it's very, very faith affirming. Mm-hmm. So now you also asked about just sort of personal faith and, and yeah. how that builds, builds. And to me, I would just throw a couple of things out there. Um, there's another scripture. It is when, uh, at the end of the story of the rich young ruler, Peter sort of pipes up and says, hey, what about us? We left our families. We mm-hmm. gave everything. Now, they weren't as rich as this guy, you know, so maybe it wasn't as much. And, and Peter speaks out a lot in the Bible, and, and he kind of gets smacked down. A lot, you know. Was, I mean, Jesus calls him Satan at one point. You get the Bible saying so. Peter gets scolded and corrected often, and you think maybe as you're reading that, maybe Peter is setting himself up to get corrected. Mm-hmm. Maybe Peter's about to get the smackdown from Jesus, but instead, in that case, Jesus says, "Anyone who's left home and family and fields and businesses, and, and for me, you'll get more in this life and mm-hmm. even more." So, so Jesus says, "Hey, you do." What I've asked you to do, mm-hmm. if you leave friends and family and home and your your business, you leave stuff for me, you're going to get more. Mm-hmm. And I, I can say my life is a ultimate testimony of that, that there is nothing we, I, I ever, I've never released something to God mm-hmm. and not gotten more in return. Give me an example. Aside well, from the fact that you just moved over to Israel, right, and then... God sent you a bride, and now you have five kids, right? But yeah, and and that, and that would probably be the the prime example, mm-hmm. which is that you know the the thing that would have held me back, you know, from living in East Jerusalem and taking care of you know little Arab kids that had difficult lives. What would have held me back from doing that is you know this desire for sort of the American dream, sure, which is not biblical, by the way, or still out there. Um, but, but it was for that, you know, stability, you know, home, family. And then, so at whatever point I said, you know what, God, I'm just going to chase what you want. Yeah. That happened. I'll, I'll tell you a story. My, my grandfather, who just passed away, was a sort of an iconic pastor in, in, uh, in Alabama. And about three or four years into my... A little bit more than iconic, okay, just, just so you know. He's yeah? a little bit more than iconic. Right? What, what, so, what, what adjective he, would you use? He, or? he is... Um, well, aside from the fact that he was honored and well-known and respected and all of those things, he was probably, I would say epic. He was Epic, he a was legend a, in yeah, his own time. He was a legend. In, in his time, in your time, <laughs> Pathway Church, I mean, everything, right? They, yeah, they he, all he, realized He definitely that. dominated the room. He dominated he the in. room. So about three or four years into me uh, doing my sort of missions thing with, with Arabs, um, I was at his house on the river visiting him, and I had not... You know, I, I was in no way attached to any female person at the time. I wasn't dating, wasn't married, wasn't, you know, nothing. And I'm sitting at his house, and he had this concerned look, and he said, Jameson, uh, 
you, you do want to get married, don't you? So I don't know what he was concerned about, but he had this look. Yeah, you do want to get married, don't you? And I said, yeah, Papa Mac, I want to get married. And he said, well, um, would you say there's a lot of what you would call marriageable girls where you're living? I said, no, not really. Not not so That's much. Funny. And he said, well, Jameson, I've learned something in life. And I was like, yeah, what? You know, so I'm thinking, here, this is my... This well of wisdom, my 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 grandfather. Who's so this, this grandfather lady. now to Pastor Matt, right? Yeah, I'm like, whoa, what 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 is coming? What is coming? I'm I'm leaning forward. I'm listening, you know. Yeah. And he says, what I have learned is, if you want ice cream, you go to an ice cream shop. Nice. I'm like, what are you talking? Do they have a shop for that? I don't think Life so. You're talking lesson. about. And, and he, you know, he's my granddad. He's trying to convince me to come back home, hang out at the singles ministry, sure. find a girl or something. And in that moment, I, I looked at him and I said, Papa Mac, I'm pretty sure I'll find who God has for me if I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So I'm just going to go. And it was probably three weeks later wow. that I was at a Bible study in East Jerusalem and in walks a tall, blonde Texas girl. Yeah. And I, that one's mine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, that's the kind of thing where, yeah, you want something, and but you just you do what you're supposed to. You trust God with it. And God will not be a debtor. He yeah. won't. He will not. He will give you more than, he'll give you more if you follow him every time. So, so you guys are in a shift. So you're, um, you're, you're in a place now where you, I guess missionaries do this, right? You got to come home. You got to raise money, right? So, so what, what is God doing in you guys right now? You spent, you know, working with Arab kids and, and just people anywhere and everywhere and faithful and, and God's been very, very gracious and, giving you a wonderful harvest. Um, what do you think God's doing in this current day? We're living in a culture that's just absolutely jacked. That's like yeah. an old Georgia and old Alabama term, right? It's messed up, man. What do you think God's doing right now? What do you sense? What do you see, Jameson? Does well, that make sense? Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll give you a little bit of personal and then, you know, broader what we're going to be working with, and we can, we can figure out how to refine that as we go. Sure. Uh, for us personally... Um, my kids have grown up uh, in in Israel, you yeah. know, in Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and and so they look like American kids, mm-hmm. but they're kind of not, you know, they, they don't know culture here. Um, and my kids are, you know, about a year. I'm I'm one year away from sending kids to college and yeah. things like that. Lee, Lee University, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, I, we just felt like as a family, it'd be good to spend a year letting yeah. them live in America before the shock of all that. That's with, good. With us kind of helping them, and so so we have a family reason to come back for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, just to help our kids make an adjustment. Without just, you know, I think it would have been very difficult if we had just flown them halfway around the world, sure. dropped them off, and said, "Okay, bye." Very much. You know, y'all have fun. So so that that's the family reason behind taking. It. We've never taken a year off, I and mean, we've been on the ground full time forever. Yeah. You know, and we want to be. You know, but. But for our family, we feel like we need to do this. So that, that's the reason behind that. Um, but what we're really leaning into, or really excited about, something we want to push into, and this gets into what's going on in the world, is um, all over the world right now, we have issues with displaced people. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's happening in, in Europe with Muslims pushing in uh, from Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, these kind of places. Uh, it's happening here with people coming in from Latin America. Mm-hmm. And all over the world, we have issues with, with people that are moving, okay? Yeah. Uh, many of them have been displaced. Some of them are just moving because they see hope somewhere else. Some of them are moving because if they stay where they are, they'll get killed. There's you know bombs going off and countries mm-hmm. falling apart. And it's really interesting 
because the Bible speaks to it. You know, like sometimes we think the Bible doesn't, you know, what does it say about my current issue? And, yeah. and, and you know, well, it, we think that the world is, is somehow radically changed from what it was like two or 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it really hasn't. There's not, I mean, we have new technology, but but people are people. The issues we're dealing with have been dealt with before. Yeah. All of them have been dealt with before, yeah. you know. Um, so Paul, was a great scripture. It's Acts 17, 26, 27. Paul is standing in Athens, Greece, on Mars Hill, um, and he's preaching there to Greek pagan unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And when in that speech, he says, God created all the nations of the world, and he controls their time and the boundaries of where they live. Mm-hmm. And he does this so that some of them will find him. Wow. Okay? So I look, you know, we'll, we'll keep it in my context where I am. I, I look at... at Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, and, and the, the problems in those countries and the fact that hundreds of thousands of people out of those countries, even millions, are pouring through Turkey over to Greece and then up into Europe. Why are these people moving? Mm-hmm. Well, they have their own personal reasons, but if you believe your Bible, they're moving because God coordinated. He's in control of the time and the boundaries of those nations, and he's moving those people so that some of them will find him. Wow. It's clearly it's clearly stated in your Bible, mm-hmm. right? And so for us, we started working about five or seven years ago, uh, helping uh, Muslim refugees pouring south out of Syria into Jordan. And mm-hmm. we have a team there full-time now uh, under PCL's banner. Really, really cool work. We're for those really, that are listening to us, PCL is People for Care and Learning, just so you guys know. Yeah, great, great, wonderful, wonderful uh, charity work. Find us online. Yeah. Give us some money. We'll, we'll use it for good. There you go. But um, anyway, we have a team on the ground full-time uh, based out of Amman, Jordan, doing refugee work there, primarily educational work. These people are shockingly uneducated. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you have a, particularly in Syria, when you have a, a government that's oppressing its people, a part of the oppression is you withhold education. Mm-hmm. So, so when I, I was... The first time I started dealing with Syrian refugees, I was just stunned because these kids couldn't spell their own name. You know, I, I'm talking, you know, 12, 15-year-old kids that, I mean, they know nothing. Right. I, I would meet old men, you know, men in their 40s, 50s that, that, that have, you know, businesses and, and do work and are clearly intelligent, productive people. And I would go to give them, let's say, a Bible or, you know, something, a piece of literature in Arabic. Right. Hey, here's what we're about. And they would be like, oh, I can't read. I'm sorry. Really, you can't. Mm. I'm just shocked by this. So, so we're kind of, we're coming in trying to fill an educational gap. We'll do ESL, basic education. I mean, I'm talking teaching a 12 or 15 year old letters. Yeah, you know, just to help them get functional. So we do a lot of educational stuff. We do health education because they have a lot of folk mm-hmm. medicine ideas that are really really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that they things that they believe about how to stay healthy and care for children that are actually counterproductive. Right. Um, so we do a lot of health education, help help young moms, you know, know how to take care of a baby, nurse, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously have women that go in and do those things. And um, so that, that's what we're doing. And we're going to expand that model mm-hmm. um, of helping people who are moving, you know, because we believe that something the Lord has done. So that they can find him, we, you know, as as a church, we were doing a very very poor job of witnessing in places like Syria, Afghanistan, and Iraq because we couldn't. They kill us. Sure, but we can say what we want in a place like Greece, mm-hmm. you know, or, or 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 France or Germany, you know, 
And so I, I believe with all my heart that God has moved these people so we can witness to them. And so we're going to push real hard into that uh, that territory in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, that's a part of why I'm home, is to stage for, for that. And we're super excited about what the Lord's going to do. So, man, what a, what a wonderful opportunity God is opening up, obviously. You yeah. know, um, I tell you, man, I've, I've figured out in my life, Jamison, that <clears throat> faithfulness, you know, God will always honor faithfulness, man. And he will put you in a place where he can most effectively use you and he will equip you with whatever resources that you need to get that done, you know. Speak to uh, college students, speak to uh, that generation, you know, of people that are like you, that, you know, are, are, are trying to process it all. And, you know, maybe they, maybe they're unsure. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they have no idea what's ahead of them. You know, what, what does the world need right now from, you know, we just had the inauguration of our 17th president at Lee University. And Mark Walker, you know, is now, Dr. Mark Walker is now yeah, our president. You got it. And they were talking about, you know, in his speech, he was talking about, you know, that the world needs Lee. Well, the, the world does need, you know, Christian educators. The world needs people that were trained. And I think one of the speakers mentioned uh, 45,000 professionals that have graduated from Lee University and now working in the world, right? What, what, what does the world need from this next generation of graduates? And then what do these graduates need to do to be able to prepare themselves to deliver what the world needs? And I ask you that, not as a little Alabama guy, although that's very much who you are, but I ask you that because you've traveled to 30-something countries in your yeah. life. You know, how old are you now? Uh, I'll be 47 this summer. Ten years younger than me, man. I'm an old man. So I'm a papa. I got the grandbaby thing going I'll, on. I'll right? have them pretty soon, too, <laughs> yeah. probably. Yeah, so, you know, having traveled to 30 countries or so in your life and, you know, fixing to hit another jet set in the next month or so, talk to me from that perspective. What does this generation need to make sure they do so when they hit the when when their feet hit the hit the ground, man, as you mentioned earlier, when their feet hit the ground, they're going to be able to deliver what the world needs. So, one of the things that I've done a lot of is uh, student travel. I, I've I've taken students all over the world, and I, I do that because I think it's really important to get outside of your your cultural bubble and outside of your perspective and see other things, and. Um, and that, and that applies to people of any culture. So, you know, I'm mostly traveling with Palestinian Arab kids, but that applies to anybody is get out and see something. But that's not the point I want to make. I, I realized about a year and a half ago, just before COVID hit, the last time I took any students anywhere, I realized that something was happening that bothered me. Mm-hmm. So I had, a, I had a, about 15 or 20 high school seniors, and we were doing this sort of history study trip. And uh, we, we went to... Uh, Prague and Salzburg, about ten day total on the trip, and um, that sounds pretty cool if you're coming from America. We sure. just, just realize we're already that. That's <laughs> like going to Ohio for you, maybe. Like that's a you know three or four hour flight, and sure. you know it's so. I mean, it's still awesome. Don't don't get me wrong. That's a, those are beautiful places, but um, you know it's that's a, a much shorter trip for us than it is for you. But anyway, so I got these kids, and it was the first day in Prague, and. Uh, you know, Prague is sort of done. There's this hill with this castle cathedral on top. It's just a dead beautiful place. So we took the train up to the top of the hill, and we're going to start sort of the walking tour lecture part. You know, I'm a history geek, so so I'm going to I'm I'm already pumped. You know, we're going to you know walk ten, you know, make walk ten or fifteen minutes lecture, walk ten minutes lecture. We're going to do that all day. I'm pumped. We we get to the first part for the gate to the castle. I stopped and talked for a minute. I'm like, okay, guys, let's go. And I turn around and walk off, and I get 
20 or 30 yards away, and I look behind me, and nobody's following me. Hmm. They're all still standing there. And what they were doing is they were all taking pictures of themselves for their Instagram. Yeah. You know? And they all had to do it. They all had to do 15 different poses, you know, orienting their bodies in different ways, looking right, looking left, looking this way, changing their facial expression. They all had to pick it. And I should have known it was coming because one of the girls, when I was doing the, when I was prepping them for the trip, I said, um, pack real light, you know, pack light because we need to be able to move and travel easily. We've got to put things in a vehicle, get them out. And this girl said, I can't do that because I have to look good for Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, that's odd, but okay. And, and, and what happened is every time we would stop, they would take all these pictures. And I asked one of the girls right on lunchtime. It's, we haven't had lunch yet. How many pictures have you taken? She scrolls her phone and she says about 240 of myself. That morning? Yeah, that morning. Now, I, I hope... Our listeners are not that extreme, but I watched a lot of tourists, and a lot of them were doing that. Yeah, and that, that leads me to this. I, I feel like with the development of media and social media, and, and the way that we present ourselves now, I feel like there's a lot of artificial, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of image managing that goes on for for all of us. And, you know, I mean, none of us want to put our worst face forward. I get that. We, we want to filter a little bit. You know, you, you don't want to be walking to a place, somebody says, how are you? And you actually really tell them every sure. time, you know, and you just gush. I mean, nobody wants to do that. I, I get that. But I think this world needs authenticity in a big way. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are becoming so inauthentic and we're managing our image so much that we care more about the image than the reality. And, and, and this is not new. This is old. Like you go back in your Bible. And I, I think if you you know go back and read and do your comparison of Saul and David, and, and what you're going to see is that Saul's an image manager. Mm-hmm. He cares what people think, and David cares what God thinks. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when the prophet, when Samuel comes up to Saul, and he says, God is taking his blessing from you, Saul says, okay, that's fine, but will you go with me and pray in front of the men? He cares more how it looks, then he cares what just happened. Whereas when David is told that your blessing is being taken from you, he begs and pleads with God and says, please, Lord, do not take your presence from me. You know, so there's there's a, an authenticity thing there. And, and what can happen is, you know, let's say you've got a real struggle in your life. You, you've got something that's just, it's, it's beating you up, you know. And that could be lots of things, okay. That could be a sin thing. It could be just some habits. It could be whatever. You, you pick the thing. But you have something that's really beating, beating mm-hmm. you up. Mm-hmm. And you can't beat it. You know? Well, the Bible gives you a solution. It says confess your sins to one another so you can be healed. Right? You're supposed to get You don't want to be confessing your sins to everybody everywhere all the time. You know? You don't just walk around and say, hey, I got a pornography problem. You know? I, I, I get that. But you need to find somebody. Mm-hmm. And But if you're so concerned with your image then you're just going to cover. You're going to cover what's wrong. You're going to cover what hurts and, and, until it explodes on you, you know, because because of concern with image. And so, and so I think if I have, like, one concern, maybe it's that, um, you know, I would be like, look, be real, be authentic. Yeah. And then the next thing I would say is just real simple scripture, seek ye first kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, 
I know you want stuff. I, I know you want to you want to survive and you want to make money and you want to succeed at a certain level. There's going to be a string of things that you want. You want to get married. You want to find a spouse. You want to have kids. That's good. That's healthy. It's normal. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that stuff. God didn't put those desires in you yeah. to laugh at you 20 years later because you didn't get them. Mm-hmm. Like, that stuff's going to work out. But seek God first. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, the, the there's a sin. It's probably the, the one of the chief sins uh, is idolatry. It's putting anything above God in your life as a right. priority. And what happens with idols? So any any whatever's the top of your list, whatever's your A one, the top of your totem pole, you're going to sacrifice to that. Mm-hmm. We sacrifice to our gods. So if you put your career at the top of your list, you're going to sacrifice for it. You're going to sacrifice. That's right. To it, you're going to sacrifice your family and your health and your life and your your well-being, like whatever, you'll sacrifice your number one, whatever it is. Right. And the only healthy number one, and if that number one, something happens to it, you're going to be devastated, right? That's why you can't even put your wife or your kids in the number one spot. Because if your wife or kids in the one spot, and then they go off the rails, mm-hmm. then, you, then you, don't, you don't want to do. Right. You're, you're lost. And it puts too much pressure on them. Like, they can't fulfill these for you. Mm-hmm. So you got to have God in that one spot. You have to. And then when you do that, then everything else just works, you right. know. So put God in your one spot, be real, and, like and, and everything's going to work out. I, that's I don't know. Off the top of my head, you asked the question. That's no, I like it, Jamison. I think that, and I think that is the key because you've been there and you've seen the fake and you've seen the real, you know, and you live in that world where, um, you know, image management, as you call it, you know, becomes a huge. So, you know, we use this term also, I think Dallas Willard actually used the term sin management, you know, and talking about, you know, a lot of times we manage our sin, we try to manage, you know, our, our image. The passage you were referring to from David was one of the Psalms 51, one of my favorite passages ever. It's very clear. Um, cast not away, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And I think in a world of chaos we're living in, we really need to hear people say to God, you know, keep, let me stay in your presence and let your spirit stay within me. Well, ask yourself the question, what is this, What is your source? Yeah. If your source is God, then live like your source is God. Yep. If your source is people, then live like your source is people. But they're going to let you down, I promise. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that's, that works. So I'll, I'll share a little cultural thing with you from where I live. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I've lived in, in Arab context most of my life. And American culture, Western culture in general, uh, we care a lot about right and wrong. Yeah. What is the right thing? What is the wrong thing? We talk about justice a lot, right? Uh, in the Arab world, they talk about shame and honor a lot. You, that was shameful. That was honorable. This is actually m- much more important to them than justice. And it, the way the culture works, it's like everybody has a bank account or a scorecard. And, and, and that bank account is, do you have honor points or have you lost honor points due to shame? And you can go negative for sure, Right. And so you want to do things that bring you honor, act honorably, and you want to avoid things that bring you shame. And your family's judged, everyone's judged based on that. Yeah. And, and, and the, the result of that system where everyone's caring so deeply about looking honorable is that everyone cares more about image than mm-hmm. they care about reality. Mm-hmm. You know, So if something really sinful or awful is going on in a family, they're going to cover it. Yeah. Because if it comes out, we'll all be shamed. And so then you hide sin, like you said, sin management. You hide sin because you care about your honor yeah. and your shame. You don't care about your reality. Mm-hmm. And and I have dealt with horrific situations that were ongoing in families of, of abuse and things like that. 
and the family doesn't want it known. Yeah. They want to fix it. I, I, I've dealt with kids that had drug issues, and, and mom and dad didn't care about the drug issue. They cared about if it was known. Well, then I was embarrassing. That's right. And, yeah. and it's, it's so destructive. Yeah. It's so destructive, you know, to have that kind of orientation. Seems like to me, Jameson, this episode turned into a wonderful opportunity for us to uh, address the hu- human woes, man, and where we are in humanity, you know. And honestly, while cultural um, differences are vast and there are huge um, implications for someone that's trying to learn some other culture, you know, and, and all of that and, and the above, the needs are the same. You know, people still breathe. They still inhale, exhale. They still bleed when they get cut. They still cry when they get hurt, you know. We're living in a world. People want to be loved and respected everywhere. They want to be honored, treated, you know, with dignity. It doesn't matter where you are. And we want to honor you guys. We want to bless you and Kelly, right? So, how can somebody get a hold of you if they want to support you? You're on a year furlough. You're raising money. There's no um, bones about it, right? So, what's a way that people can connect with you? Let's say one of our listeners says, you know, hey, I want to, I want to bless them. I want to help them. I want to send some money their way with what they're doing. How do people reach you? Well, that'd be real fun. So if they want to actually contact us, I'm incredibly easy to find on Facebook because there's only one Jameson Creel lives in Bethlehem. Spell Jameson. J-A-M-I-S-O-N. And yep. Creel is C-R-E-E-L. So that that's real easy. If you wanted to message me, uh, my my email is my name. So mm-hmm. it's it's jameson.creel at gmail. That's super easy. If you wanted to support financially what we're doing, uh, you can go to Church of God World Mission, C-O-G-W-M.com. Uh, and, and find us on there. Also, we're at PCL. Uh, we, we take we're we're set up to receive donations through there at PCL.is, and just click donate and find our names on the list and mm-hmm. go from there. So that's that's real easy in both ways. Um, man, we're we're excited and we're gonna we're gonna be launching. You know, we've got our ongoing refugee work in Jordan. We're gonna be just blowing that up mm-hmm. in Greece. Uh, we're launching in August of 22. That's awesome. So that's that's what we're that's what we're leaning towards. I'll that's actually awesome. I'm actually jumping on an airplane to Greece uh, in about two weeks. Yeah, going to spend ten days on the ground, just staging and looking at opportunities and properties yeah. and all the stuff we got to do to to make that just yeah. go crazy for for God. Most important, keep you guys in prayer and 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 all of the above. Jameson, I know you're very busy. I sure appreciate you taking time to uh, join us today on Surfcast, and we're. Um, delighted to connect face to face again. It's been a little over ten years, I guess, for us since uh, I was over that way and and uh, somewhere around there, I guess. Maybe yeah, I don't years. think it's been quite that long. I don't know. Man. It's, it's right. It's right. It's. I don't even that. know what yesterday was. You know, I, I forget <laughs> the timing. So uh, when you get to be a papa like me, the rest of it doesn't matter, right? So, hey, it's uh, fun. It's fun to be back in Cleveland, Tennessee. You, yeah, I've gone all over the world, literally all over the world, and there are places that are different. There are different kinds of pretty. Yeah, this is one of the prettiest places on earth. This is a, yeah. this is a great spot, man. It's, it's fun to be back on campus at Lee. You know, hanging around for a year. It's gonna be good. it's gonna be a good time. You got it, Jameson. Thank you again for joining us, man. And we'll talk to you soon. Look forward to the update, and uh, definitely in 2022 when this launch happens, we want to be part of it. Okay, let us know. All right, hey, God bless. Thank you. All right, hey guys, thank you for joining us today. And as always, let me remind you, you're made for more. There's somebody out there that needs something that. God is trusting you to give, to support, to encourage, to uh, champion their day. So don't forget to be the hands and feet of Jesus um, because somebody's looking at you, and when they look at you and see him, that's a win-win for everybody. Until next time on Servecast, have a great day, and most of all, think about it.
Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.